What is up, everybody? Welcome to the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. I'm Brian Rennick. That's Al Sacco. Uh, below me is a Nackvi. We are here to, I don't know, is this a therapy session? Do we have to have another therapy session? After that? How many can't have another therapy session, man? Uh, can't yeah, do it. So, can't do it. And I mean, is it a postmortem? Because we're only in week three, or I guess now we're in week four, but... <laughs> But the 49ers lost uh, 11 to 10, or should I say the San Francisco Giants lost to the Colorado Rockies 11 to 10. What a weird score. Um, I I tried to look it up earlier. I don't know if that has ever been a final score in the NFL. I assume that possibly early on in the in, in the infancy of football, that may have been a score. But yeah, guys, it's... Uh, 2008, I think somebody said, or something like really? that. Really? Recently, yeah, where it was okay. I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere. Um, but yeah, ugly. Ugly, 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 ugly. U-G-L-Y, ugly. Um, we have 45 minutes here. I already told Al, I don't know if that's enough, uh, but we will make it work. Um, guys, I'm just going to open up to you because I, I honestly don't even know. You're like lost say. for words, Brian. It's yeah. like, you know, it's... The first thing to say is when you get a defensive performance like that on the road in Denver, which is never an easy place to play, you better damn well win that football game. You better damn well win that football game. This defense has given up 28 points in three games. They're and pressuring the quarterback and, and they're oh. one and two and they're one and two. You know, the special teams gave up seven and Jimmy gave up two. And, you know, the narrative this week was, well, the Niners are a better team with Garoppolo everywhere, not from social media, it was on social media, you know, not just content creators, it was everywhere. People get paid to do this, national people everywhere. Well, they're better with Garoppolo. They're better with Garoppolo. What are people really basing that off of? Because, yeah, Jimmy started 19-5 and five with this team, right? But since 2020, they're 12-10 and 10 with, the, with Garoppolo as the starting quarterback. He's thrown 18 interceptions and lost four fumbles in those 22 games. And overall, in his 46 starts with the 49ers, he's thrown – 39 picks and lost nine fumbles. If you count the safety, that would be 49 total turnovers for Jimmy in those games. It's, it's, it's just too many. It's just too many. And the Niners are not scoring points. If you go back to last year, they scored 30 points in three straight games in weeks 10 through 12. Since then, they've broken 30 just once, and they've averaged 20.5 points. They're not scoring. And a lot of that is stemming from QB play. And last night, I thought that was some of the worst QB play I can remember in recent memory. We're worried about a 22-year-old? Jimmy looked like a 22-year-old no experience last night. Miss, Not even throwing or just missing receivers all over the place. Debo should have had 230 yards last night. Just He was and two awful. Touchdowns. He was, and two touchdowns. He was atrocious. The QB play, and you could say, well, the offensive line, this, that, and the other thing. The bottom line is if the QB hits even a few throws, they win that game. Two throws, mm-hmm. one throw. They win that game. He lost the game for them last night, and that that's infuriating. It was infuriating. I you guys know how I was saying. I tweeted out, and I said, I, I hope someone on the defensive side of the ball fought Jimmy last night in the locker room after that game because he deserved it. Those guys played their ass off, and that was disgusting. Go ahead, Zane. Yeah, you guys, you know how I how I felt about Jimmy in the past, and how I the comments that I made about him and and support of him and things like that, but. Last night was just everybody reaches kind of like a breaking point, and I think last night was was it for me because 
the it's funny we're glossing over the safety which was literally the worst football play i've ever seen in my life like yeah, right worse there. than worse than yeah. orlovsky so like when dan orlovsky is is trending on twitter it's and it's not for like his analysis and the niners are playing that night it's probably not a good thing and last night every everybody was tweeting it's kind of funny everybody's tweeting hey dan orlovsky you're forgiven you're forgiven you're forgiven like that's so bad look at that that's so bad. How do you not have the awareness <laughs> to know where you are in the end zone? And the, you know what the Ryan worst part is? Put a, up a picture of Jimmy stepping out of the back of the end zone for yes. if you're looking at the podcast and not on yes. YouTube. So, thanks, Brian. Thanks for the reminder. You're that welcome. Is, that is so bad. His, like the spatial awareness. And, and the worst part of that play was that he threw a pick six on the back end of it. <laughs> like – that was the worst part of it. The, the safety, safety was, was the best result. outcome. The yeah. safety, like literally the safety yeah. was the be- best outcome of that play. And I just, I can't believe how bad he was. It was such remedial football, undrafted free agent, first game in the NFL. Like you don't even see this from, from first round draft picks. That's how bad he was. And this guy's in his eighth year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how bad that performance was. And you know what? The, the, the funny thing is, is that as this game was going along and he was missing open receivers and he was getting skittish in the pocket. I was like, okay, that's just a Jimmy Garoppolo experience, right? They'll find some way to pull it out. But then as I, I the, the timestamp is there and the tweet is there. I swear to God, guys, once Denver scored that touchdown, first of all, did anybody have any doubt that when Russell Wilson got the ball in the fourth quarter at the end that they would that they would score? I have no doubt. That's just that Russell Wilson doing before. these things. We've seen that story a million times before. I had predicted, in fact, last week on this same show, I had predicted that the Niners would lose by Russell Wilson basically like game-winning drive, right? So that to me was not a surprise. But once they scored that that go ahead touchdown, I tweeted it out too. I'm like, here comes the what what the hell are you doing, Jimmy interception? Literally five minutes before it happened. It's become so predictable now, guys. It's become so and the reason why I'm frustrated personally is not because of Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy is what he is at this point. We knew what we were getting into when he when he came back. What I'm frustrated at is the fact that there's no solution here. There's no there's no solution to this problem. Okay. Jimmy's not going to get any better. Kyle doesn't want to move off of him. And I think that, like, I'll get into my Kyle rant later on in the show, but I think that, to me, where I'm frustrated as a fan, as a person watching the team, is that there's no quick fix for this. The defense is championship caliber. We've seen that. The offense is barely bottom of the league. Like, they're probably the worst, one of the worst, if not the worst offenses that I've seen this this year. But how not that not that a gigantic problem? If you're performing that way and you have George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo yeah. Samuel in a well, I mean, the, mm-hmm. okay, so George Kittle, okay, and his last, sorry, Brian, I know you probably want to go off on this too, but in his last seven yeah. games, he has 19 catches, 196 yards, and one touchdown. In seven games, that's like backup tight end numbers. How are these guys not, I, you just look at these weapons, and we said last week, even, even you know, the secondary guys like Danny Gray, or Ray Ray McLeod or John Jennings, they have a lot of talent there. How the hell are they not scoring points? It's it. And, and you go back to uh, Al, the last seven games that George Kittle played and how many of those games were quarterbacked by Jimmy Garoppolo and how many were quarterbacked by Trey Lance. And you look at that it's, and you go, well, it was six, six, right. Yeah. Cause Trey played the second to last game of the season. I, I, I don't know that you can blame, George Kittle for that. Um, I, I don't know how. I don't know how you would. No, I, I think there's involved. two. Yeah, yeah, there's there's two people to blame there. The quarterback that is tasked with getting in the ball and the play caller who is tasked with 
calling in the plays and trying to feature him. Uh, but I, I, I did want to address, we have a comment here, uh, and it says, you people act like nobody has a bad game. I agree stepping out of the end zone was piss poor, but Russell didn't do any freaking better, and he's a top-notch QB. And then followed that up with piss poor play calling. And I just have to say this. You're right. Everyone has a bad game. The problem here is the pattern that Jimmy Garoppolo has established prior to this game. And that pattern is a pattern of piss poor quarterback play regardless. And so this has nothing to do with this one game and everything to do with the idea that was pushed upon 49ers and 49ers Twitter that this team is better off with Jimmy Garoppolo under center than Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch already told you that this team is not better off with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback because they've tried for three seasons to replace him. They wanted him gone after that Super Bowl, and it didn't work out. And eventually they decided, you know what, we're going to replace him with a really raw but talented kid from North Dakota. And then we put that kid in and, you know, we ran a bunch of quarterback power and, and things like that. And, and, and he got injured. Do I blame them for running Trey Lance? No, that is part of his game and, and part of why they drafted him. I'm not blaming him for that. But the reality is, is they have wanted to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and now they're stuck with him. Unless, you know, Zane, that I mean, the, the, lack of, the lack of faith in Brock Purdy is staggering at this point. Uh, if, <laughs> yeah. if we think no, that you don't, you don't like no, no quick fix, <laughs> right? Good old number. Well, I tweeted out earlier that Brock Purdy is not the answer, especially if he wears number 14. Turns out he has changed his number to 13. So perhaps, perhaps that makes it a little bit better. But I mean, at this point, if, if we see, if we see performances like that from Garoppolo and it's hard to feel like you will see something like that moving forward, right? He's bound to get better. But if there's, if we continue to see defenses play this team the way that they did last night, which was essentially to tell Kyle Shanahan, you are not going to beat us unless Jimmy Garoppolo beats us. And that means heavy boxes. That means stacking the middle of the field. That means daring him to throw deep. There were multiple plays where that play, uh, that that uh, quick slant to George Kittle that that ended up as an incompletion. Brandon Ayuk is streaking down the field because the safety, the minute that that uh, Kittle plants and goes for that slant, he drops Ayuk completely and crashes in because he knows that's where the ball is going because he doesn't have to worry about Ayuk streaking past him and Jimmy throwing it down the field. That's the frustrating part. That is the very essence of why fans were frustrated with Jimmy Garoppolo and a Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense. And I agree with you, Zane. I'm not sure what the solution is. I genuinely believe Brock Purdy is going to start games for this team this season based on A, Jimmy Garoppolo's play last night, and B, Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy. So is he going to play the next 14 games? We have zero proof outside of the 2019 season to say that's the case, which means that likely Brock Purdy will see the field this season. I, uh, not unless there's an injury. If you play Brock Purdy over Jimmy, the season has gone to hell. Yeah, a- absolute hell. I mean, if I the mean, offense if get, looks like it did last night, 
it already you, has. Yeah, but you're talking, you know, the last pick in the in the draft <laughs> rookie, yeah, I don't the borderline think. undrafted free agent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, but this is you know, and Zane, Zane, I'll let you, it's just it is what this is what they're they're stuck with. They're going to have to do it. And listen, it would have been a lot worse if it was Nate Sudfeld, probably mm-hmm. long term. You know, Jimmy's not going to play this bad. God, I hope not moving forward. But there's going to be games like this, and and this team may not be able to hit, you know, where, where we hope they can go. So I don't, Zane, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Hey, CJ, that, Chris, Chris, Johnson. Chris Johnson, loves the pot. Hey, thanks for listening, man. Um, but I think that the overarching thing for me, guys, is this. So there's, there's last night is a hundred percent, like, well, not, I mean, nothing is ever a hundred percent, like as close to a hundred percent as you can get Jimmy's fault. Right. Like, I think we can, we can agree by that on that. He gave them the points that essentially won them the game. And then, on the back end, we had a chance to, t- to take the lead or win the game on his own. He threw a stupid interception into triple coverage, which, you know, he tends to do in desperation. So that's the short-term, like, lo- like low-level sort of, like, view that I have that where, where the blame should lie. High-level, here's the thing, guys. I know that a lot of people – I know this is, this is not a, a popular opinion amongst 49ers Twitter and the fan base and players and people, but – the reason why they're in this situation right now where Jimmy Garoppolo is playing is because they could not keep Trey Lance healthy. Kyle Shanahan had one job this season. It was to keep Trey Lance healthy so that he could get reps. And in, in getting those reps, you get that experience that you need to be able to grow. That's all he had to do. If he was terrible, that's okay because those are growing pains. If he's great, that's, that's great because we know that he's, he's going to be really good. They did the one thing that they couldn't do with Trey Lance. They got him hurt, and and they got him hurt for the entire season. So to me, like, a lot of this blame, honestly, for what's going on now, for Jimmy even playing, it's on Kyle. Because not only, like, people people like, oh, you're shifting blame. No, Jimmy, we know what Jimmy is. We've known this for a while. We know he's wildly inaccurate. We know that he's wildly inconsistent. We know this. Watch him put up a great game against against the Rams on Monday night because that's what he does, right? And he's going to drive us crazy. But the whole thing here is that Kyle chose to bring Jimmy back. I know everyone's pissed at Jimmy, as they should be. Kyle chose to do this. They chose to have this circus all offseason. They chose to bring him back. They chose to freeze him out of training camp and not give him a playbook. Fine. Jimmy had that excuse or whatever, right? Like, that's not an excuse. You played with these guys for five years, right? Like, that's that's a, a lame-ass excuse that Jimmy made about, like, oh, I didn't get the playbook and rhythm. Like, bro, you're, you're a professional athlete. Like, you're getting paid millions of dollars to do this. You can't. You, you can't complete a pass. You, you step out of the end zone. So to me, there's there's the, the blame here is twofold for what happened last night. The majority goes to Jimmy, the vast majority. But long term, the ups and downs of the season, it's on Kyle because I don't I don't care what anybody says. You put your rookie, essentially rookie quarterback, 22-year-old quarterback in harm's way by consistently running him into the part of the field where the biggest people are and where the most people are more than any any other quarterback at a higher rate than any other quarterback. So guys, if you if you're driving your car and you are driving recklessly and you're not obeying the speed limit and you're cutting people off and you're driving like a crazy person, are you more or less likely to get into to get into an accident? If you put yourself in harm's way, it is going to happen. And th- this concept is shocking that people don't understand this, that people aren't putting more blame on Kyle for that. Jimmy should not even be playing right now. He should not be on the team. We should not be having this conversation. Kyle cannot quit Jimmy and Damon Bruce, who's a local media uh, person here and, and love him or hate him. He made a comment today about how they're perfect for each other because the fact that, that Jimmy can't quit the Niners, Kyle, Kyle can't quit Jimmy. 
And they, for that reason, they're perfect for each other. Uh, and there's other things about like Kyle being a coward and things like that that I'm not going to repeat. But like, <laughs> you know, it's just to me, guys. Like, I think that's where my frustration lies, and I think that my my anger about this whole situation is coming out of different ways. But to me, it's like they should not have even been in this situation where Jimmy Garoppolo is starting. And even if Trey got hurt, God damn it! Like, don't make it be in the second game of the season, right? At least let your backup quarterback who hasn't played with the team or whatever it is, right, be able to have four weeks to get ready, right? Whoever the backup may be, but immediately in game two. Quarter one of game two, you have your backup in. And just, just the, the, the stupidest thing. And the worst, the, like overall, from the Trey injury to keeping Jimmy around to the way that they, we've been going back and forth the last two seasons, like this is, what, this is the bed that you have to sleep in. And Kyle has to sleep in it at this point. And, I mean, Kyle made a couple calls in, in this game, too, that were debatable that I don't know that I necessarily disagreed with at the time. The first was on the holding call. Um, where he decided to decline it and let them kick the field goal mm. instead of making it third and really long and trusting the defense again. So you could argue that he kind of gave Denver three points there. Thought you could have looked at it both ways. Um, I wasn't like going crazy over it at the time. I, I probably would have backed them up if it were me just because the defense was playing so well um, and tried to get them out of field goal range. And the other one was something that he, when he kicked the field goal with Golden, it was fourth and two. I think you go for it there. I think they were on maybe the 31-yard line maybe of Denver right around there. To me, I think you go for it there. To me, I think you try to put your foot on the gas. You try to get the first down. You try to get seven points. Because obviously, the th- you know, the three wasn't enough. They were having issues. Share on money all- don't make money, Al. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, the, so those two things for sure for me, you know, those were a couple calls that I thought were a little bit, eh, you know, and, and there's been some issues with that with Kyle, with him getting maybe a little bit too conservative with game plans and things like that. And, again, it's not saying – Oh God, you can fire him right now. It's not it. I mean, I'm not saying that. What I think saying you've said before is we, there's places where we think he can be better and you're going to, it's, it's part of what we do having a show or, or in the media or whatever you react to the game at hand. You talk about the good things, which we will, there were some good things when you talk about the bad things, there you were. can't just be like, Oh, well, whatever, brush it off. Like there were things that he did that were a little bit, eh, and it, it might've cost him the game in the, at the end. Well, and I want to I want to push back a little bit on that narrative that's going around that, you know, what what should we have expected from Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, he wasn't in camp. They didn't give him a playbook, yada, yada, yada. Right. I would understand that if we were a different team and Jimmy Garoppolo came to us two weeks before the season started and all of a sudden was thrust in week three. We're talking about a quarterback who has been with the franchise since 2017. Mm -hmm. I understand that he didn't have training camp. I understand that they didn't give him a playbook. But is it my understanding that your position is that the playbook has changed so much from 2021 to now that Jimmy Garoppolo has no idea what's going on? I'm hard, hard pressed to believe that at all. So regardless of the amount of time that he had with the playbook in camp or not, this is still the same offensive system that he has been the quarterback for since 2017. So miss me with, he didn't give enough time with the playbook. Like that just, that makes that's nonsense to me. And then on top of that, what was frustrating for me was Trey Lance came to the podium after that bears loss and essentially said, guys, that's on me. I have to be better. I have to be better. There's plays that we missed out there, whatever. Jimmy Garoppolo came to the podium after this game and went, well, you know what? I don't want to make excuses, but, and then started to make excuses. One of those being, I have to, you know, I have to get back into rhythm with these guys. 
take accountability, man. Just take some accountability and be like, you know what? I played like absolute dog shit tonight. I'm sorry. I'm going to be better. And just move on. Like, I would respect him so much more for that than this mealy mouthed. I, I have to get rhythm with the guys and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, man, you stepped out of the back of the end zone. Like I, no amount of training camp practice is going to keep you from doing that. And then not only that, but three step drops and you can't stop moving your feet. You're like a freaking happy feet dolphin in the pocket on 90% of the place, right? So just just a, just take it, man. Just take it on the chin and move on. Because again, you make it you make it seem like you are a victim as opposed to the defensive stars, Fred Warner, right? Came to the podium was like, "You know what? As a defense, we have to be better." Fred, I'm sorry, man. You guys we're awesome. And you're coming here and you're taking accountability for this loss. No, thanks. I don't need that from you. I know that you were great. What I need is the other side of the ball to take accountability. But that's leadership, right? That's leadership for you. That's why Fred Warner is a captain because he comes to the podium and he goes, you know what? We gave up a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Like we got to play four quarters. Well, you know why you gave up a touchdown in the fourth quarter? Because you were on the field way too damn much right? That's part of the problem. So again, Jimmy been with the team for so long, be a leader, take accountability, take it on the chin, move on, say, we'll be better next week. But none of this, like, Oh, I got to find rhythm. And you know, you know, I've only been here a week. No, thanks. I'm not, I don't accept that. I want to throw some numbers out at you guys um, with Kyle Shanahan. Now he's been an OC or a head coach now since 2008. We know his offenses get yards. I'm going to read you the where his offense is finished and points scored as an OC and then as a head coach with the Niners. So as an OC, 17th, 10th, 25th, 26th, 4th, which was the RG3 year in 2012, 23rd, 27th, 21st, 1st, which was the Matt Ryan MVP Super Bowl, where they made the Super Bowl year, 20th. That was 2007. Oh, sorry, first. Okay. And then he goes to the 49ers. The Niners have finished 20th, 21st, 2nd in 2019, 21st and 13 in point, 13th in points scored. Is that what we expected when he got here as a coach? You know, this team has been winning with defense and, and, and running, but but they're not putting up. We I know I thought when Kyle Shanahan came here, definitely by year five, year six, where we're year six right now, that this was going to be a top offense. And when I say top offense, I think of someone, not that every year you're scoring 35 points a game, but you think of a Sean Payton and Andy Reed, right? These offensive coaches where their offenses are generally high powered. Has this offense ever really been high powered? They really haven't. 2019, they were second in points, but they did score points that year, but I don't really call it a high powered offense necessarily. So at what point too, and again, if you win games, I don't care. I don't care how you do it at the end of the day, but if you don't, you know, and just if Kyle, if you're this offensive coach, I I just, it's just my question. And again, I'm not saying fire him. I'm just, I'm asking anyone. I'm asking you guys. I'm asking people in the comments. I'm asking anyone listening. If he's this offensive coach, why is this team not scoring points? Right. It's like in Moneyball when he's like, if he's a good hitter, why doesn't he hit good? Right. If he's this genius and I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying he's a bad play designer. Um, 
I did. Christopher asked me to tweet the stat, and I did. Chris, if you go to my Twitter, I did. I did tweet that stat about the Kyle and the offensive points scored. Um, so if he is this genius, why isn't it happening? And I'm gen- I'm genuinely asking this question: Why? Why? So I think a lot of it has to do with quarterback play, right? The, the, the type of quarterbacks that he's been given in those situations, and the pushback that I have to that here once he got here is that he was in charge of selecting those quarterbacks. It's his quarterback room. And for those of you watching on YouTube, like that guy, Mike McDaniels, like that guy, <laughs> you look at what he's done in Miami right now. And I know it's only three games in, but what he's been able to do with Tua over there. And it's just been unbelievable. And I think that look, attrition will happen. If you're a good team, attrition will happen. Like we, we saw, we thought there'd be a big drop off when Robert Sala left to coach the jets and Domingo Ryan's has been like picked up right where he left off. We thought that there'd be a big drop off when Lafleur left to coach the, the Packers, and you know the Niners made the championship game. But now Lafleur, at this point, hold like, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Lafleur never that Lafleur, the Packers Lafleur never coached for the 49ers. Oh, it's his brother. His brother. That's right. That's and his brother, his brother left right. to be Salas OC in, in New York. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. We thought there'd be a big drop off when we when Lafleur left to the Jets to be the OC, and they made they made the the Niners made the championship game. So I think that at some point, like, yeah, attrition will, will take its toll and, and, and that will happen. But the other thing is, is that like, look, again, this is Kyle's quarterback room, right? Like, and I'm not saying that he should be fired not saying he should be replaced, but like, damn it, you've had six years to figure out the quarterback position. You, you didn't pick, you didn't draft Mahomes. You didn't sign Brady. You didn't trade for Stafford and you keep bringing Jimmy back. It's like, at some point you got to sort this out and yeah, they made the trade Lance trade, but then you ran him into the ground after the first game. So it's like, at some point, you have to be able to sort the, the most important position on all sports. you got to sort that out if you want success. And they have not been able to do that. And the argument is, is if Kyle has a good, like elite level quarterback play, like he did in, in Atlanta, that second year of Matt Ryan, because remember the first year they were not very good, right? Like that first year it took them two years mm-hmm. to, to kind of get used to it. So the, the Super Bowl year in Atlanta, 2016, like that's when they were actually kind of gelling and they did well. And, that's the first year people could argue that Kyle Shannon had like elite quarterback level play. And, you know, they almost went all the way. So part of that is like, yes, he needs better quarterback play. But the other part of it is that he is in control of that as well. So Al, I would say that's the, my answer to that question is that like, he needs to be able to evaluate that position and be able to, de- to either develop a quarterback or bring in somebody that can actually execute his scheme to the highest level. And he hasn't been able to find that outside of one year in his entire career and, and with Matt Ryan. We have a comment that says, to be fair, Andy Reid has coached 22 years and has one Super Bowl win. Sean Payton, 16 years head coach and only one Super Bowl win. And again, we're not slamming Kyle for not winning the Super Bowl, right? We're not slamming him for losing that uh, that Super Bowl against the Chiefs. What we're saying is there were certain expectations that we had as fans based on some of the narratives put out about Kyle Shanahan as an offensive genius. And we're not even saying that he's not. But Mike McDaniel has been with Kyle Shanahan at every stop that he's had where he was the offensive coordinator. And this is the first year that Kyle Shanahan has coordinated an offense without Mike McDaniel. And as it stands right now, you look at that offense in Miami, as Zane said, and you look at the offense in San Francisco, and you go, that... I I might be able to draw some conclusions from this. Can we officially? Absolutely not. We need a full season or more. Right. And, you know, I, I, I love the Miami. I love Mike McDaniel. I have such a man crush on, on Mike McDaniel. 
And like I asked, I asked Twitter to be able to make me the Homer Simpson meme where he starts out in front of the hedge, goes into the hedge and comes back out. And I wanted it where he's wearing 49ers gear and then he reemerges in Dolphins gear because I love that team. <laughs> I love that team. I love that coach. But it, 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 there are questions, right? And that's all we're, that's all we can do is ask questions. That's all we can do, right? And, and there are some, but are we going to get answers this year? It doesn't look that way, at least not with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. So now again, we are waiting till next season. And we still have a very inexperienced quarterback to run this Kyle Shanahan offense. And it's, it's just, it's, it's frustrating as a fan. Yeah. And, and I know, sorry, about, I want, one thing, one thing yeah. I just want to interject here. So when we talk about like the offense and how they've at, at any point, if they've carried this team since 2017, there's one instance that I can think of where the defense either was totally underperforming or was, was injured to the point where they, they weren't performing at the same level. It was in 2019 when do you remember that that stretch where Quan Alexander and Kwaski Tart were both hurt? Mm-hmm. Like that stretch where the defense was just giving up like 26, I believe it was like 26 or 27 points a game for like four or five games straight. It was that that stretch where they played New Orleans, right? That game. It's the only time in six years here, almost six years here, that I've seen the offense carry the load. Otherwise, it's always the defense. Every single time. The defense has to close out games. Against Seattle, when they won the division up there, Kyle's offense couldn't get a first down. So the defense had to close out the game, you know, like the only time that I've really seen this offense kind of carry the load was, was, yeah, those two playoff games of, of 2019 where they just ran the ball everywhere, but you know, the defense was still lights out even then. So that's, what's most concerning to me is that the offense has just never, they've, they've never carried the load. Like, and if the defense ever falters, like what's the offense going to be, what's going to happen to this team? It just feels like, so there's something that tweeted out today that it just kind of feels like, um, uh, my buddy Nick, Document Forty Nine, tweeted out that it just feels like Kyle Shanahan's teams are always on the verge of like epic, like disasters or collapse all the time, based off of injuries, which we'll talk about. Trent Williams, like significant injuries or quarterback turmoil or whatever it may be, it just seems like they're on the brink of just total collapse, and then they somehow are able to to get it together in the second half of the season. And now you tweeted out a stat about that as well, where they're significantly better in the second half. So yeah, it's a long season, yeah. but there are you know significant issues with this team right now, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. So the coaching, because what that um, comment said about Sean Payton and Andy Reid only having the one Super Bowl, yes, and a couple things on that. One, I think with Super Bowls, Bill Belichick has made, that is not normal, right? Most coaches, really good coach, you, they win a Super Bowl, right? There's very mm-hmm. few that are going to, when, you know, your Bill Walsh's and your Bill Belichick's, you know, there's very, there's very few. What I'm looking for from Kyle is not 10 Super Bowl wins. I'm looking for double digit win seasons and perennial being a perennial playoff team. So he brought up Sean Payton. Sean Payton won double digit games nine times. Andy Reid has won double digit games 16 times in 23 seasons as a head coach. That is always being in the playoffs, always being in the conversation. Mike Tomlin has, uh, if I'm reading this right, nine or 10, 10 win seasons. These guys are always in the conversation. And that's what I want to see about. That's where I want to see Kyle get where his teams, not that you're going to go 14 and three every year or in the Super Bowl every year. I, I want to see Kyle in the conversation every year. He's got his teams to 10, 11 wins every season, eight out of 10 years, you know, that sort of thing. That's, that's where I want to see him go. This year is gigantic for him gigantic. If they win 10 plus games, going to make the playoffs. Then all of a sudden your double digit wins three out of four years and in, in you're cruising. Right. If they don't now you're not making the playoffs four out of six years. 
and not have a winning record for it. Now that's bad. The narrative will complete. This is a gigantic year for him. His trajectory and how he's looked at will change immensely based at the end of the season. Either we're going to stop. Hey, he got there again. You know, after a slow start, he got there again. Or there's issues here. It is a gigantic season for him. Gigantic. By the way, before we move on and and try and find some positives here to to end this show, uh, there are 12 coaches in NFL history who have won multiple Super Bowls. And that is Bill Belichick. And then Bill Walsh, Joe Gibbs, Vince Lombardi, Tom Landry, Don Shula, Tom Flores, Bill Parcells, Jimmy Johnson, Mike Shanahan, Tom Coughlin, and George Seifert. That's it. It's only 12. All right. Before we move on, like I said, to find the positives, uh, support for the No Huddle podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NOHUDDLE at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NOHUDDLE at manscaped.com. If my math is correct... And, and I think it is because Al's math has been correct the last couple of times. That's about 12 million balls. That's a lot of balls. So again, please visit manscaped.com and enter the promo code no huddle at checkout for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Guys, outside of we have arguably the best defense in the NFL that plays in Santa Clara, what are some other positives that came out of this game for you? Mitch Wisnowski, go ahead, Alex. Oh, okay. uh, I would say Mitch Wisnowski, unbelievable game. Unbelievable. Like, it's it's very weird to talk about a punter that way, but this season he's just been lights out. And I remember when Andy Lee he was earned here. that remember extension. That he did earn that extension. Yes, he did. And you remember when Andy Lee was here, it was just such a great weapon to have a punter who could be able to flip field position like that or pin guys deep and, and be able to give your defense an, an advantage there. And Wisnowski has been just off the charts good this year. Like we criticized the pick, you know, a couple of years ago when they drafted him because you never draft a punter, but you know, he's definitely done his part in helping this team. And, and it's odd to highlight that, but in a game where it's close and you want to be able to, he's absolutely earning that paycheck. Yes. And in a game that's close where you need to be able to either flip field position or pin the back deep to give your your best in the league defense more cracks at getting getting the ball back, that is huge. And, you know, he did his part yesterday. Uh, the, the punt that was down the one-inch line, I've never seen a football bounce like that, like horizontally where the fat part of the football – It landed flat. That it was did. crazy. It didn't I've land with the nose that. down. I've never seen that, and it bounced straight up. And Samuel Womack, who's been fantastic, by the way, in, in his uh, his short career already, was able to save that. And Ross Dwelly, who's also been fantastic this year, right around the ball like the entire season so far, they were able to to pin them deep, and, and the Niners were able to eventually you know, get a punt out of that. But just fantastic job by Wisnowski last night. I like punters you don't have to extend because they're never on the field. That's the kind of punters <laughs> I like. Your offense scores too much for them to uh, – you don't really care, but no, he's done a, a good, job. a good punter is the 12th member of the defense though. I yeah. agree. Yeah, no, he's done a, he's done a great job. He's done a great yeah. job. So I wanted to throw another stat out there. 
was looking this up today. There are currently 20 players in the NFL with four or more tackles for loss this season. We're recording this on a Monday, so not uh, Micah Parsons was up there too. Uh, he may get there. Um, that game hasn't happened yet as of our re- recording. The only non-front seven player in that group is Hufunga. Was four. <laughs> He's the only secondary player in the group. The guy's got four tackles for losses already. And that out, runs, of those, out of those yeah. 20 players, three of them are 49ers. Bosa and Kevin Givens also have four. There were two Browns and two Bills on the list, too. Um, so the Niners' defense has just been absolutely insane. And, the, and those are guys, you know, Hufunga, I was a little little worried with him. You know, I wasn't sure if he had the speed. I wasn't sure how he was going to do coming in. He's, he's been sensational. I mean, he's a pro bowler the first three games, you know, over the first three games, I think for sure. And I thought another player who impressed me last night was Drake Jackson. And, and if the Niners won – the two biggest plays of the game for me were on that drive when Hufunga had the tackle for loss on that the handoff was and Drake so Jackson gets perfectly back on the next yeah. play. Yeah. Those would have been the two biggest plays of the game for me because Denver's driving and they had momentum at that point. They had a ton of momentum and Hufunga and Jackson just stopped it, just straight mm-hmm. up stopped it. And then they had to punt. And I said, those are the two biggest plays of the game until Numbnut stepped out of the end zone. But until then, <laughs> those, those, those were the two biggest plays of the game. And that's the two young players like that. Huge, huge. So I was, I was really excited about that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I, it was noticed last night and somebody, Oh, Vish Kamir. And I, I talked about him last week, asked this, asked uh, Kyle Posey of Niners nation. If anybody asked Shanahan on his uh, conference call today about, Diamador Lenore and the amount of time that he played last night. Diamador Lenore was the slot cornerback last night. Uh, he mm-hmm. played 30 plus snaps uh, in the slot and Samuel Womack didn't play any in the slot. Um, and somebody asked and it said that Diamador Lenore had won that job based on how he played in practice over the past two weeks. And it's just interesting to me that once again, a rookie who showed a lot of promise at the beginning of the year, just like Diamador Lenore did last season, is all of a sudden MIA in week three. And we're asking questions like, where is this guy? And it's just interesting to me that that Womack, who quite literally with his play against the Packers, had had the 49ers releasing the guy, Darquez Denard, the guy that they had uh, penned as the starter going into the season, they released him flat out because of, of Womack's play. And he hasn't done anything on tape so far in the, in the first two weeks of the season to say that he's needing to be replaced. But all of a sudden Lenore gets those Lenore had a great game. I'm not saying that he didn't, but it, it, this whole Kyle Shanahan and rookies thing is kind of interesting to me. Uh, Obviously Spencer Burford is playing and, and, this game was was really the first game that he didn't play very well at all, um, and he didn't. Uh, Aaron Banks still playing incredibly well, but Shanahan in his in his uh, call today also did say that they're hoping to get Brunskill back this week and he can help out inside. My question is: Is that going to be Spencer Burford, who's had one poor game so far against Denver, and that's a good front, right? That's a good front. You've got Aaron Donald coming in this week. Maybe that is why they're talking about it because Daniel Brunskill is the uh, Aaron Donald stopper, you know, trademarked for the No Huddle podcast here. Um, And so maybe they are going to put him in. Or is that going to be Jake Brendel, who 
Kyle Shanahan blamed for that fumbled snap. He did not blame Jimmy on that. He said that Brent, everybody else went on one and Brendel went on two. I asked my buddy Tim Sprinkles, who I host the no, uh, the Denim Dungeon podcast with, former uh, collegiate quarterback. I asked him flat out in the game when it happened, whose fault was that? He said Jimmy. Uh, the ball hit Jimmy in the hands. So the fact that, again, Kyle Shanahan is not, not blaming Jimmy for that, um, I don't know. But the reality is as well, guys, I know that we asked for positives and, and – Hufunga is a positive. Mitch Wisnowski is a positive. The defense overall is a positive. The ascension of D'Amico Ryans to arguably the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. That was my argument last night on Twitter. I think that's a positive. Coming out of that game, though, Trent Williams, high ankle sprain, going to miss quite a bit of time. Uh, Aziz Alshair, MCL sprain, just like Elijah Mitchell, out six to eight weeks which means that since the beginning of camp, the 49ers have lost the following players to multiple week or season-ending injuries. QB1, left tackle one, arguably center one or two, depending on what you think Brunskill is, tight end one, running back one, running back three, weak side linebacker one, and free safety one. Injuries, once again, a theme for the 49ers uh, season, right? And, And I had tweeted that out, and somebody replied, NFC Championship game, rehab season. NFC Championship game, rehab season. Is this a pattern? I hope to God it's not. Yeah, and we'll get into that more. Obviously, the Trent Williams injury is huge, and we'll get into that more at our our show at the end of the week because it's going to be McKivitz from what Kyle Shanahan said. McKivitz did okay last year. You know, the Niners have had a lot of time where they've had to rely on backup linemen, and they've generally done okay over the past couple of years, whether it's been Skule and Brunskill or McKivitz last year. So we'll see, but obviously you take the best left tackle in the game out and you're going to miss him. And they certainly did Sunday night um, and they will moving forward, but we'll get into more of that with the offensive line. The Brunskill thing is a good point, Brian. I'm really curious when Kyle said that I was curious, well, is he going to play? Cause I wasn't sure he was, and now maybe he will. So we'll have to talk about that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, ahead, I think Rick. that w- when it comes down to it, there's there's a couple things now that they have to st- they have to stem the tide from the Trent Williams injury. Best left tackle in all of football is now out for probably half the season, and in a in a situation where you're not able to run the ball, uh, the Debo kind of handoffs and backfield runs, like it seems as if like the league has kind of got smart to it, and and they're not as effective any, as as effective anymore. Um, it just seems like this offense, like it just hasn't, it just looks very similar the entire time. The only difference is that like you see these Debo runs out of the backfield and this wide back position that, that has been created, but otherwise it looks the exact same as it did four or five years ago. And to me, that's, that's the most concerning thing is that they just, they just haven't seemed to have evolved. And when you have injuries, you have to find new and creative ways to be able to win games and, and to be able to do that, they'll have to evolve and they'll be interested to see if they can. It's a long season, guys. Like we, we talked about this already earlier in the show, and last year is an example of that. You don't want to start that way, but you know it just shows that you can make it. So a lot of stuff can happen. I, they should really be 3-0, honestly. They should be 3-0. They should not be sitting at 1-2 and two right now, possibly like you know 1-3 one and one and three if they lose to the Rams. But, hey, if you win against the Rams, you're 2-2, two and two and you're right back to the top of the division. So it's, it's a very competitive positive. division. That is a positive right there. So that is a must win against the Rams. I feel like you have to you have to get that game because if you get down a one and three hole, it's it's not impossible, 
But with the top of the division in your grasp, you have to take advantage of that. So we'll see, guys. I mean, like, I'm – this was a good therapy session. I'm more optimistic at the end of this than I was at the beginning. But really, it just depends on your quarterback, right? Like, if they even got mediocre quarterback play last night, they would have won, right? They got worse than mediocre. They got terrible quarterback play. That's that's the unfortunate reality. Yeah, someone we'll commented – I would say someone commented, we are not beating the Rams. I would like – to remind that person that the Rams beat the Cardinals 20 to 12 and the Rams have not looked good at all this season. And for what it's worth, the 49ers beat the Rams in week 18 with Colton McKivitz at left tackle and Tom Compton at right tackle. So it has been done before. Yeah. And you know, we'll get into that game on our next show because it's a huge game. They can't go one and three. So it is a big game. We'll talk about that before we get out of here. I want to throw one more stat out at you. You brought up Debo's run Zane. He's had runs of 27 and 51 yards this year, but other than that, his other 15 carries have only gained 33 yards. So yeah, last uh, week three, I think he had five carries for six yards. So teams are starting to kind of key in on that. And that is something to watch too. If that doesn't work, we have something else. So but we'll get into I would that. Also, hold on. I would say Al, before, before you, before you send us on out of here, I would like to shout out, uh, on this uh, on this broadcast, not obviously on the screen, uh, we do have uh, a new member of the team. Uh, Ryan Smith is our producer for Odyssey. And uh, one thing that he did, uh, we were talking about prior to going live. Uh, if you take out the two long runs from Jeff Wilson Jr. last night, uh, the San Francisco run game rushed 15 times for 33 yards. Oof. I didn't realize that. That's not, a little scary. Not going to cut it. All right. Well, we'll get into this more in our next show. Until then, for Zane and Brian, this is Al. Peace.